Morning, everybody. Great to, uh, great to see you. My name is Luke. I'm one of the pastors here and part of our preaching team. Uh, thank you so much for, for coming. Thanks for prioritizing this. For those of you who are at home who maybe would like to be here, thanks for carving the time here in your day to engage with us and to participate in this service. It's, uh, it's great to be able to be together. And I uh, join in Seth, uh, what he said, and just rejoicing at God's uh, provision for us uh, through you, through your generosity. So thank you so much for that. Uh, Molly and I uh, just celebrated 19 years of marriage back in December, about a month ago. Oh, thank you. I kind of feel like save it till 20. And then you can clap big for us. But, uh, but 19 is great. And uh, we had the chance to have some uh, friends that have a place in Oceanside uh, and then had a chance to go out there and spend a lot of time walking along the beach and just being together and kind of reminiscing. And, and there's that moment in your anniversary where you're kind of reflecting on things that have happened and, and uh, you're kind of, you know, internally asking, am I glad I did this? <laughs> and, uh, and I remember at one point looking at Molly and just saying, I, this was the best decision I ever made. I'm so happy I would do this all over again. And she was like, yeah, me too. No, no, no. She, she was like, no, totally. I, I, and we just had a great moment of reflecting and going like, man, we were, we were young. I think we were both 22. And uh, man, we had no idea what life had ahead of us. And, uh, but, but man, that was a great decision. And we're really, really happy about it. Well, as we uh, gather here today, two weeks ago was our 10th anniversary as Redemption Church. And, and this is a message that I actually had hoped to give two weeks ago, but I was still recovering from being sick. And so it's pushed back to here. So we're not going to pretend that today's our anniversary, but, but as we've just hit this 10th anniversary, kind of a milestone as Redemption Church, uh, you inevitably kind of ask the question, are we still better together? Are we still glad we did this? And especially because 2020 has just been very hard. It's been hard for everybody. It, it's been very hard in Redemption Church. There have been multiple leadership transitions at different congregations that have been very hard. Plus all the stuff that's just made everyone else's lives hard. <laughs> Pandemics, racial unrest, election, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's just been a very, very difficult year. And yet, as we've talked as pastors and elders here at Redemption Gateway, and we've reflected on this, and we've been asking the question, are we still better together? And our answer is unequivocally yes. We are better together. We would do this all over again. And what I want to share with you today is why we feel that way. And so uh, here's what I'm going to do is I'm going to work through six questions related to Redemption Church, this larger thing, this family of congregations that we're part of. I'm going to work through six questions about that. The sixth one is when we'll finally get to the passage we just read. So if you don't get there for a while, don't be impatient. Just know that that's what, what's going. The first five questions are really to kind of set up that last uh, look at this passage. So, so that's what I want to do. And I'm just aware that some of you are brand new here and you don't follow Jesus and you don't trust him and you're going to be like, I, I don't think I care about this. <laughs> and what I want you to see today is actually that, that God is inviting you to be part of something big and significant and meaningful, and it's called his church. And you get into it by trusting in Jesus. So I hope you'll have even a little bit of a vision for the beauty of the church, even where maybe right now exists skepticism. Others of you, you're, you're new to here, but you're a Christian. And, and I think this will be helpful for you to just understand kind of how things work. Uh, some of you are very interested in this. You're very curious. Some of you even have concerns about Redemption Church, about how it's structured, about how it works. And I hope that today will be very helpful for you. And then a lot of you are just kind of like, I've never thought about it, and I probably won't think about it again, and I don't care. Um, but here's the thing, I think you should care. 
Because I think what we're trying to do as Redemption Church is beautiful and it's significant. And I want you to know about it and I want you to be able to feel like you can really be kind of all in with us. So that's, that's what we're going to do. So let me pray and we'll get into those questions. Father, thank you for your church, not just Redemption Church, but the church of Jesus Christ, everyone who is part of the body, part of the family because of Christ. God, we pray now for our time here as we open your word and pray that you would speak to us, pray that you would encourage us, pray that you would unite us, pray that you would give us a vision that we can move forward together into. We ask it in Christ's name, amen. Amen, all right, so six questions. Here's the first question. What is Redemption Church? What is it? Uh, Well, Redemption Church is a family of diverse congregations across Arizona held together by covenant relationship, doctrine, and culture. Uh, If you have a program here in the room, you can open that program and actually see a map that shows you kind of where the different congregations are located here in the valley. There's also one in Flagstaff and one in Tucson. We're now uh, 10 congregations that are part of this family. And I just want to break down a couple of the words here in this uh, description. So first, we are a family, a family. The Bible describes God as our father. Uh, The Bible describes Jesus as our older brother. And the Bible describes his people as brothers and sisters. There's lots of family language in the scriptures. And so we have to acknowledge that we are family. Now, in any kind of organization, especially a large one with multiple locations, there's always talk at some point about branding, right? Some of you work in marketing and that sort of stuff. And branding is actually a really important thing in an organization. But we think at Redemption, we think a lot more about our family name than about our brand name. We're not trying to create just 10 uh, carbon copy images of the exact same thing. But what we are trying to do is say, like a family, there's lots of different people, there's different strengths, there's different things, and yet in a family you can go, I can tell they're related. (laughs) I can tell. I see the resemblance. Now listen, I don't know if we're the really cool aunt here at Gateway or if we're the really weird uncle. I don't know. (laughs) And it probably depends on your perspective. But we're family. We're together. We're family in Jesus, and we've covenanted together is what it says, held together by covenant relationship. We've entered into, intentionally, into relationship with one another. Uh, When we formed 10 years ago, we did that. Anytime a new congregation starts, the church planner is always asking, do I want to plant an independent church or do I want to plant a church connected to redemption? And so there's an intentional choice. It's a covenant relationship. Because of that, it's intentionally hard to get out of. Your marriage should be hard to get out of because it's important, because you made a covenant with each other. And so there's covenant relationship. We're also united around doctrine. All 10 congregations have the same doctrinal statement, the same doctrinal convictions. Uh, That's outlined through our membership packet, which all 10 congregations go through the same membership packet. By the way, uh, the person who we did a rewrite of that about a year and a half ago, and Seth Trout, one of our pastors here, led the way on that and wrote that document, and everybody loved it and uh, helped tweak it. But but that was really birthed out of Gateway. But it's used at all 10 congregations. We're united in doctrine, and we're united in culture. There's lots of differences across uh, the congregations, but there's some similar values and there's some similar uh, convictions and and that's the culture. But we're a family of diverse congregations. We're held together by all those things, but make no mistake, it's a diverse deal. We're diverse by size. West Mesa is probably our smallest congregation. It's probably about 100 to 150 people. It's a totally bilingual congregation. 
Every service they do, everything they do is in English and Spanish. Our largest congregations are over 1,000 or 2,000 people. They're unilingual, <laughs> right? So there's differences there. There's size differences all throughout, right? Which means some congregations have just a couple of staff people. Some have a big, huge staff. There's, there's size differences. There's age differences. I think one of the things that we don't maybe think of at a place like Redemption Gateway is how diverse our church is as it relates to age. People all of all different ages and experience levels. Uh, where our congregations are diverse as it relates to just the community they're in, right? You drive around here, it's about every half mile, you hit a new storage unit being built. <laughs> because we can't fit all of our junk in our house, we got to have an extra place to store our junk. You drive around Redemption Alhambra in West Phoenix over by GCU, and about every half mile, you find a payday loan place different communities. That shapes ministry in different ways. There's different strengths in redemption of the congregations, right? Just like in your family, right? Like, like in my family, uh, Caitlin, uh, our, uh, our sixth grader, she's the finder. And since she was little, she was always able to find stuff. If something's lost, Caitlin's on it and she's going to find it, right? Which is really helpful because all the rest of us, except for Molly, have the gift of leaving junk everywhere, right? So there's different strengths, right? So some congregations are, are much stronger as it relates to, to prayer and worship. Others are probably stronger as it relates to community involvement. Others are stronger maybe when it comes to preaching. There's different strengths. There's different experiences, right? Our oldest congregation is coming up on almost 30 years. Our newest congregation is coming up today on three weeks. <laughs> That's Redemption North Mountain. By the way, I was there a couple weeks ago, and they're doing great. Uh, Josh Watt and the team are uh, kicking butt over there. We're excited about it. There's differences of politics. There's people of all different political stripes across Redemption Church. It's just diverse in so many ways. It's diverse ethnically. It's diverse in every way you can think of. So that's what Redemption Church is, a family of diverse congregations. But we're held together by our relationship, our doctrine, and our culture. Uh, second question is this. How did Redemption Church begin? Uh, how did Redemption Church begin? Well, it began in 2011 through a merger. Uh, there were a couple churches involved in the conversation originally. There was our church. We were called, Redem or we were called uh, Second Mile Church. We had started in 2009. Uh, we came out of East Valley Bible Church, which is now Redemption Church Gilbert. They had planted us out, just like Gateway has planted out uh, Josh Watt. So uh, Second Mile Church, East Valley Bible Church, and then a church that had two locations, one in Tempe and one in Phoenix, called Praxis. And we had worked together on a number of different things. The leaders, we'd started some different stuff. And after a couple years of spending time together, just informally, there was this sense of like, man, if we had it to do over again, we would do this together. And someone kind of went, well, what if we did it together? What if we did that? And so everybody, the idea came, well, what if everybody gives up their name and we form this new identity and we become this multi-congregational church in order to try to develop more leaders and plant more churches and just be better together? And I remember when I first heard it, I was like, that sounds amazing and that will never happen. Churches don't do that. Because listen, all, all three churches were growing numerically, were doing fine financially, right? There was no need for it. No one needed it. There wasn't a bailout of any kind. 
And yet in 2011, that happened. Originally, because of some delays that we had because of building projects and other things, the original coming together was between East Valley Bible and Praxis. Just a few months later, uh, we joined in with it. That made four congregations because Praxis had two. So four congregations. And in the time since, we've adopted one more from an existing church. That's Redemption Alhambra. And then we've planted five new congregations all across the state. And uh, we wouldn't have been able to do that just as Second Mile Church or as East Valley Bible or as Praxis, but we were better together. So that's how Redemption Church began, just for some of that history. Uh, Here's a third question. What is Redemption Church's mission? What's our mission? Well, here it is, to glorify God. Let me just pause there for a second. That's not something that's in there just because you're supposed to put it in a church mission statement. We actually care about that a lot. We exist on planet Earth to glorify God, not for ourselves, not for anyone else, not to honor or glorify any other person but God himself through Jesus. That's why we're here, right? The first song we sang today, be, be lifted up, be lifted higher. That's the desire of our heart as Redemption Church, to glorify God by birthing and strengthening healthy local congregations that multiply healthy disciples and leaders who do the work of ministry. So we birth and strengthen healthy local congregations. Sometimes that means like what we've done with North Mountain, where we've given birth to this new congregation. We've sent uh, maybe 50 adults and their families to go be part of that. It's so cool to me how many people have moved, actually bought new homes in North Phoenix to be part of that. church plan. And that is giving birth. And that's painful for us. That's a loss for us, but oh, that's a gain for the kingdom. So there's times we give birth. There's other times we just strengthen other local congregations, not always even just redemption congregations. During the quarantine, when all the services for every church everywhere were only online, we had multiple churches come and actually record their services here using our staff, using our team. There's a church right now that about every month or two, they're mostly kind of a network of house churches, but they want to get the network together sometimes, and so they use our space. I think they actually were here just a couple weeks ago. We do what we can to try to strengthen other local congregations, because we realize we're part of this bigger thing called the family of God. And each of these congregations are trying to, as it says there, multiply healthy disciples and leaders who do the work of ministry. The work of ministry is not done by people on a stage. It's done by all of us as we go scatter into the world. And so what we're trying to do is say, hey, we want you to be a disciple of Jesus, to turn from your sin, to put your hope in him, to trust in Christ, to find life in Christ, to be nourished by Jesus, to follow him, to grow in prayer, to grow in obedience, to grow in passion, to grow in worship, to grow in service, and to use those gifts everywhere that God sends you. And oh my goodness, think about what could happen. If you had a family of churches that were pursuing the Lord Jesus like that, it'd be incredible. All right, fourth question. How's Redemption Church led? How's it led, right? Because if you just start thinking about this, you go, oh my goodness, there's all these congregations. There's this organization, like, how does this work? Uh, And so I'll, I'll give you kind of the example with Gateway and just know it kind of works like this at all the other congregations, those size and different things kind of affect that. So if you start locally and you, can, you go, okay, locally, the day-to-day ministry is led by who? The, the day-to-day ministry is led here at Gateway 
uh, by a team of pastors and directors. So all these folks on the picture here, you see their pictures, you probably can't read their names. Um, but these folks, they're all full-time on staff here because of your generosity. You have freed them up to be able to devote their uh, vocational work exclusively to this ministry. And they're leading the way in the day-to-day -day ministry with students, with kids, with counseling, with care, with preaching, with adult ministry, with redemption communities, with all that sort of stuff. Now, listen, there's lots of other people that are part of our team, both full-time and part-time. But these are the folks that are really kind of responsible for leading the way in shaping the day-to-day -day ministry. And it's a great team. I'm so thankful for this group, especially this year. My goodness. They've been flexible, they've been creative, they've been incredible. It's such a cool team to be part of. So that's day to day. But now if you sort of zoom out and go, okay, but who provides the oversight and the accountability for Redemption Gateway? Well, that's our elder team. And our elder team is made up of these nine men. Uh, three of us, myself and Matthew and John Cronwald, are paid staff. Six of this team are not paid staff. They're lay elders, they're volunteers. They do this which is mostly a thankless job. Getting up early for meetings, having hard conversations with people who are upset about something, confronting a Christian who's stuck in sin and unwilling to change, making difficult decisions in 2020 about reopening masks, da, 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 da. They do a lot of stuff. But they do it as volunteers, and they go do their job all week. It's, it's really an amazing gift. This is also the group, those, those lay elders in particular, who set my salary. I don't set my own salary. The staff doesn't set my own salary. Those lay elders set my salary. They hold me accountable, and they can fire me. At different points, at different times, I've done performance reviews to that group. So I'm very thankful for them, um, and I think it's important just that you know that that group exists. So that's here locally. But then when you zoom out, you go, okay, well, what about all redemption? Well, all redemption is led primarily by a leadership team that's made up of the lead pastors from all the congregations and then two additional people. Neil Pitchell, who's our uh, kind of central operations, he's like our CFO, uh, handles our finances. And then Tyler Johnson, who his title is lead pastor of Redemption Arizona. He's trying to provide big picture direction, big picture leadership, uh, that sort of a thing. And so you see the, the group there and uh, there's... There's just, it's an incredible group. It's, it's all the things I just said. There's ways we learn from each other and grow from each other. Now, the thing to know about this is just like the elders are kind of trying to stay at a big picture level, and they are not trying to get in the weeds on what kids ministry is doing or student ministry is doing, this leadership team is trying to stay big picture too. So we're talking about the things that affect all of redemption, right? There's never a conversation at the lead team level of what time should redemption gateway services be? That's not there. We're not talking about that. That's a, that's a local decision. We're talking about big picture stuff. Oh, this congregation might need a new property. Oh, we're going to plant a new congregation. How do we feel about that? It's the big picture stuff. Now, because that's a really large group, and you can imagine it's hard to like, even decide what to talk about in a large group, we have formed a subset of that group that's called the executive team. And the executive team is Tyler Johnson, myself, Neil Pitchell, and Aaron Daly, who leads at Redemption Alhambra. And so uh, we're a subset. We're, we don't have more authority 
uh, than the leadership team, but we're kind of the ones we meet kind of before the meeting to go, what are we going to talk about in this meeting? What's important? What are we thinking about? Um, and, and that's how that works. Now, uh, one of the places where there's a lot of questions at times relates to Tyler, uh, because Tyler is, is this redemption-wide leader, right? And he's called lead pastor. And some of you are going, wait a minute, there's a lead pastor for redemption who I've never heard of? Uh, and it's like, yeah, yeah, because most of your experience is going to be locally. And yet some of you have heard of him and have gone, well, wait a minute, what, how does this work? Um, for many years, Tyler was not involved in leading a local congregation. About two and a half years ago, uh, the elders at Gilbert, where he had attended for years, said, hey, why don't you come and be one of our co-lead pastors? And he has been functioning in that role till about a couple months ago, um, when it was just determined through conversations about leadership there at Redemption Gilbert, that uh, we decided as an executive team, the local elders at Gilbert, what Tyler wanted, we said, you know what, this would just be better for everybody if Tyler went back to how it originally was and just focused on helping lead redemption. So that decision has been made and that move has been made and it's already paying off because it's just, it's just better for him. And so what he does is he provides big picture leadership, big picture vision. He's connecting and networking with lots of other people in the city, in the marketplace, all that sort of stuff. This is important to know as well. Tyler can't fire me or any of the other people that are on the lead team, but we can fire him. He doesn't set our salaries. He doesn't have kind of unilateral authority. He's part of this plurality. He's part of this group. We help hold him accountable, and he's part of it, but he doesn't have authority over everything. So I just think that's important for you to know. Now, now here's something I hear from time to time when it comes to the leadership thing is people will say, you know what, I really like Gateway. But I don't know how I feel about redemption. They'll go, you know what, I really, Luke, I, I trust you as a leader here locally. I just don't know how I feel about redemption. Now, I don't know if you noticed, my picture was on all four of those slides. I'm really involved in redemption. We, as a team here, are really involved in redemption. We have a theology team that helps think through theological issues Seth Trout's like the main squeeze on that team. He wrote our membership packet. Matthew Brazelton, anytime there's a financial thing that other congregations need and Neil is especially busy, Matthew goes in and helps. I'm super involved. Like this past week, we had a meeting with all the redemption pastors and then our lead team. I led both of those meetings. So here's the thing. And I get if you're confused because you've never been told, you've never understood, but it it doesn't make sense logically when you go, well, I really like Gateway. I just don't like redemption. It'd be like going, I really like Luke and Molly. I just don't like Molly. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Like that, right? It just, it, it, it doesn't, like, here's the thing. This past week at Gilbert, they're having a leadership transition and there was a kind of a Q&A night with their, their congregation. They invited me to come as the representative of redemption to answer questions. So it's funny because here, redemption is like these people off somewhere else and everywhere else, I'm that person. <laughs> and so I just want us to understand, we're, we are connected. 
And while your experience may feel like, well, I really understand gateway well, I just don't understand the bigger thing. I get that a lot. That, make, that, makes, a, that makes total sense. But that's how Redemption Church is led. All right, question number five. What challenges does Redemption Church create? Listen, there's no question there are new challenges, unique challenges, because we're not just an independent church. There, there are challenges that come from being part of this bigger family. One is maybe what you're even experiencing right now, which is, this is confusing. This is like, ah, oh man, how does this work? There are times where I sit there, and I'm as center to the leadership of redemption as I could be, and I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> and, and so it can be confusing. Another thing that, that's tricky is communication. I don't, think we're in, I don't think we've been in danger of communicating too much about redemption. Maybe we've communicated too little. Um, there's questions at times, communication, about what should be communicated locally versus what should be communicated across all of redemption. One of the places where some tension was created was this past year. In, in May, the leadership team approved a video that Tyler was speaking on called Racism, the Heart of God, is wounded. And it was a video he did after Ahmaud Arbery was murdered in Georgia. And he did it really because a lot of our congregations, especially in the more ethnically diverse communities, were really feeling the pain of that. That was even before George Floyd. And so Tyler spoke to that issue. And really what it was, was a call for us to search our hearts and to ask the Lord whether there might be ways where uh, we aren't seeing things the way God is seeing them. Some people took it as an accusation or as, you know, being judged, but, but that wasn't the heart behind it, and, and it's not what he was trying to say. Now, listen, that video, I 100% believe in the message of that video. I will not back down for a second about what that video was trying to do. But the way we rolled that video out, the way we communicated it was horrible. It was just very poor. We didn't do it well, right? What we did is we just released it on YouTube and on social media. We didn't get it communicated to all of the local elders, to all of the local small group leaders, to all of those different things, right? I had small group leaders calling me going, hey, there's people in my group asking me about this video. What video? Well, that's bad leadership, if you roll something out that way. And so we have to take ownership of that. I won't apologize for the conviction. But I do say, like, there's times when our communication is not particularly good. It might have been better to go, you know what, each local congregation might communicate about that rather than one person. So there's, there's different things that, that make that tricky. Another challenge in redemption is just, like I said, the diversity of size, the diversity of community, just all those things. Right? I, I'm on social media, and I see pastors from other redemption congregations post stuff sometimes, and I'm like what are you doing? That is so stupid. Why would you say that? And I got to enter into that tension. I don't like everything that happens in redemption. I don't like everything that happens in my own life. How, how could I possibly like everything that happens in redemption? Of course I don't. And so like anything, it, it just creates tensions that you have to navigate. And another challenge is that it's just hard to feel 
it's hard to feel the whole, right? You feel the local thing. You, you experience the local thing. How do you feel part of the bigger whole? And those are some things we're working on, even as we think about this next season. How do we, how do we, we're, we've been talking through events even for students. So how could we connect students from different congregations to have different experiences? How could we create environments where people from different congregations could build some relationship, where we could feel a sense of cohesion and unity? It's, it's hard to do that. But finally, here's the sixth question. Why are we still better together? We believe as elders with all our heart that we're still better together. Here's three big buckets of reasons. The first is practical. Redemption Church just provides lots of support for leaders, right? Every week, you may not know this, but every week I go to a meeting with all the other preachers in redemption and those who are growing and developing as preachers, and we study the passage that we're going to preach on in two weeks. We study it together, we talk about it together, we wrestle through it together. I'm a better preacher, you never knew this, but I'm a better preacher because of that meeting. There's times I walk out of that meeting and I'm like, my sermon's finished. There's other times I walk out and I'm like, that was a complete waste of time. Most of the time I walk out and go, oh, that was helpful. But there's things where we share best practices, where we encourage each other, where student ministry pastors from different congregations can get together and share ideas and resource one another. Where there's practical reasons. There's financial strength. There's no way we could have bought this property and built this building, built this campus without the financial strength of redemption because we wouldn't have had any assets, but there's assets in redemption. There's economies of scale, insurance, HR, all the stuff that makes me tune out in meetings. But that stuff is actually uh, important. We're still better together also for missional reasons. So practical reasons, but also missional reasons. Every week, just about, I meet someone who this is their first time at Redemption Gateway. And I'll say, oh, how did you hear about this? How did you end up here? And they'll say, oh, well, I have this friend who goes to Redemption Tempe. Or my daughter goes to Redemption Flagstaff, and she told me I should check this out. Right? How cool is it that you can invite someone, right? Maybe you work in another part of town. You can invite someone to Redemption North Mountain, and you've never even been there. And so there's a mission that, that you just can feel good about what God's doing at these other congregations because we're connected. There's missional reasons of pooling resources, right? We've started this surge network, which is influencing dozens of churches across the city and developing leaders theologically and missionally. Uh, we started a thing called the Missional Training Center that's a fully accredited master's degree. It's a seminary. I graduated from it. We have other people uh, in our church that are going through it. It's going part of that. Uh, there's church planting. There's the starting of new things. Josh Watts' strength in starting Redemption North Mountain is just incredibly strong because he's part of this larger whole. But the pooling of resources is more than that. I, I actually asked, we've got a guy that helps uh, kind of direct mission type stuff uh, on behalf of all of Redemption. I said, hey, how much money has Redemption Church given away for church planning and missions and community development, just outward focused stuff that other people are doing? How much have we given away over the last 10 years? He said, man, I'm going to have to do some work. I said, well, get to work. And he did. And, and not including money given to starting new redemption congregations, not including money given to start the seminary or our foster care ministry, those have all been additional money beyond what I'll say, not including that stuff, over the last 10 years, Redemption Church has given away over $12.5 million. That's incredible. That's that's starting churches in San Francisco and in Vancouver and Lagos, Nigeria and Istanbul, Turkey. 
That's doing community development in Ethiopia and in Alaska and in all sorts of places. That's helping support pregnancy centers and all kinds of things. I mean, it's just incredible. We could never do that by ourselves. And our world's changed, hasn't it? And it's changing. And together we can be a faithful witness of who God is and what he's done. So there's practical reasons, there's missional reasons. Finally, there are biblical reasons. So you, if you're like, man, why did I bring a Bible today? Well, get it out. Here's why. 1 Corinthians 12 gives us some biblical reasons why we are better together. The first reason is this. We are bound together in Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 and 13. The Apostle Paul, writing here about the church, he uses the analogy of a, of a body. He says, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Do you notice that in those two verses, five times the word one is used? The body is one. We are one body, one spirit, one body, one spirit. Listen, here's the truth. We are bound together in Christ. Because we have been baptized into Christ, baptized into one body, baptized by one spirit, we are one. Listen, anyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ, who sees that they are a sinner, who sees that without Christ they face the prospect of eternal separation from God in a place called hell. And when you see the beauty of Jesus and you see not only that Jesus will save you from hell, but that he will make you human the way you were meant to be and you put your faith in him and you turn from your sin, you're doing that because the spirit of God has awakened your heart. He has baptized you into Christ. He has filled you. He has indwelt you. He has sealed you. And the spirit of God that you have when you trust Jesus is the same spirit that I have when I trust Jesus. And because it's one spirit and we're believing in one Christ, we are baptized into one body. We are connected. Here's the thing Redemption Church is doing is we are embodying, we are giving voice to reality. We might like to think that we can just exist on our own individually or on our own as one little congregation, but we're not on our own, are we? This is why when Christians do amazing things from other churches and other places, you go, wow, that is so cool. And it's why when you see Christians do really embarrassing things, you go, uh, uh. because our witness is bound up together. It is. A lot of times we just pretend it isn't. We pretend we're on our own. We're not. We are one in Christ. Redemption is trying to give flesh to that. Now, that doesn't mean, get this, we're, we're unified. It doesn't mean we're uniform. Being unified doesn't mean you're uniform. It's unity, not uniformity. Look at what it says in verse 13. We're baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. Your economic status might not change. Your ethnicity isn't going to change. You're, there, there's going to be diversity in the body, but there's going to be unity as well. We're bound together in Jesus. And the second reason, biblically, why we need to stay together, why we're better together, is because we need each other. We need each other. 
In the rest of this passage, Paul is using this analogy of the body and different body parts and saying, you know, just like it says in verse 14, the body doesn't consist of one member, but of many. So listen, we're one, but we're one body with a lot of different body parts. And how do those all work together? And they work together when you realize we need each other. There's two temptations that the body faces. The first one in verses 14 and following is the temptation of inferiority and insecurity. It's, it's the parts of the body that feel less significant. And so here's what they say. They say, I don't belong here. I don't belong with you. Do you see that in verse 14 or verse 15? If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it less part of the body. See, some of you, you, you feel that way. You, you are part of this church, and you go, I don't feel like I belong. Maybe because your stage of life. Maybe because your background. Maybe because your income. Maybe because of your experience. Maybe because of a lot of different things. And your temptation is going to be to feel insecure and to go, I don't belong here. They don't want me. You know what? They'll let me come to the family dinner, but they won't let me be in the family. Paul says, no, 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 no. We need you in the family. But the opposite temptation is in the next paragraph. It's not the temptation to insecurity. It's the temptation to superiority saying, I don't need you. Look at verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, right? So some parts of the church would go, ah, I don't know if I belong. I'm not sure how I feel. Other parts would go, I feel great and I don't need you. And Paul says, no, 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 that's not how it works because, verse 26, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. We are connected and therefore we need each other. And this, this second temptation of superiority, this is the temptation for us at Redemption Gateway to feel like, yeah, we don't need those other nine congregations. We don't need that. And you know why that's a temptation? Because on the surface, it's true. We got lots of money. We've got a great building. We've got an incredible staff. We have everything we need. Yet this Bible (laughs) says, no, you don't. So here's what I wonder for us as Redemption Gateway. A lot of us might think, you know what? It would be so cool if we could help West Mesa because they probably have some needs we could meet. And that's wonderful. If that's your heart, I'm not going to criticize that. That's beautiful. But here's what I'd like us to pray about. Are there some things at Redemption Gateway, some needs that we have that can only be met by people at West Mesa? What if we actually need them as much or more than they need us? Because that's what Paul says is true. We need each other. Listen, friends, this world's changed. This is not a friendly place to be a Christian. There is mounting, growing pressure against religious liberty. There's a 
totalitarianism of sexuality that is just marching fast. There's, there's not a sense like, oh, you're a Christian, that's great. And, and get this, what did we expect? Jesus told us it would be like this. He said, a servant's not greater than his master. If they hated me, they'll hate you. You're like, oh yeah, I forgot he said that. But he did. And this time, where the world is getting darker and the world is getting more hostile to Jesus is not the time that we should splinter off and isolate from one another. Rather, it's the time we should bound together and lean into our common identity in Jesus and lean into our common strengths so that we can be a faithful witness in a dark world, so that we can shine the light of Christ together. That's why we're still better together. There's challenges There's hiccups, there's mistakes, there's things that we gotta improve on, but that's why we're better together because this world needs Jesus and together we can witness to him, amen? Amen, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the light of Jesus and we thank you that he promises to build his church and that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Father, help us to be faithful, help us to be loving, Help us to be courageous. Help us to have soft hearts and steel spines and help us to hold together. Lord Jesus, there's just no one like you and we want the world to know who you are. Fill us with your spirit. Give us your grace, we ask in Christ's name. Amen.